Welcome to the Mentium Matters podcast, where we talk about leadership, life, and the transformative power of mentoring. This is Solveig Brown, and today we have a very special episode that focuses on the power of mentoring to develop and empower women throughout the world. My guest today is Dr. Damaris Matoke Muhia from Kenya. Before we begin our conversation, I would like to give you all some background information on Damaris. Damaris is a molecular biology scientist working on the control of vector-borne diseases. She holds a PhD in molecular medicine and a master's in biotechnology. She is a principal research scientist at Kenya Medical Research Institute working on the control of vector-borne diseases. She is also the director of capacity building, gender mainstreaming, and career progression for the Pan-African Mosquito Control Association. Damaris is passionate in mentoring young career scientists and advocates for the advancement of women scientists. Within her role at the Pan-African Mosquito Control Association, Damaris has organized and convened a meeting of 20 women from 20 African countries to discuss, identify, and mitigate gaps women face culturally as they work in the vector control professions. She is a leader in the fight against malaria and other mosquito-borne diseases. Welcome to Marius. I am so happy that you are here today. Thanks a lot. I'm excited to be here and I'm looking forward to having a great conversation. As introduced, I'm Damaris Matoke-Mohe, a molecular biologist and a program manager at the Pan-African Mosquito Control Association, where I spearhead capacity building and gender mainstreaming, and I'm also very passionate on women in vector control diseases, empowerment, and strengthening their role in the fight against vector-borne diseases. Yeah, I was so inspired by the Gates Foundation video that showcased your tireless work to fight malaria and mobilize and empower women in Africa in the fight against malaria. To all of our listeners, we'll put a link to that video so you can be sure to watch it. I was just moved to tears watching it. Can you please give our listeners like some background information on who you are and how you came to be a leader in the fight of vector-borne diseases? I was born in and raised in Kenya, a place where we have malaria being endemic. More so, I was born in a village where I witnessed people suffering from malaria, including myself and my family members, to a point where my brother, one of my brother passed on to, due to this disease. So since that time, I really felt that I need to join the, the team that works against disease because I felt the torture wasn't something that you would like to see in a li- in my lifetime or I don't want to see that kind of suffering in my children or my children's children. So I needed to be part of the solution. I needed to be part of the team that provides answers to this disease and being part of the elimination process. I was very, very active and really very uh what can I call it? I was very good in sciences and also mathematics. Therefore, I opted to go for sciences because I felt this is the part that could include me in the sol- in providing solutions. So what I witnessed is that we had everyone at community being affected from these diseases, but more it was affecting mothers or women in the communities because they were the caregivers. They were the people who are providing solutions in a way, managing the children, not only child children, but also managing the entire family and most of the entire community. 
one thing is that when a child or when a father, when a someone in the family was sick from malaria, it will put a standstill to the lady of the communities. They won't go out to do their normal routine. They will just be thinking about their children and they even if going to work, they wouldn't because then they have to stay at home or being hospitalized because most of malaria cases were inpatient. So they will be in hospital with their children. Therefore, I felt that they we need to do something in ensuring that these women are also supported or they are part of the solution as we fight against this disease. Yeah. Can you tell, talk more about how you have engaged women to be part of the discussion on in creating these community programs to fight malaria? Engage women in various ways. One of them looking at both professionals and also looking at the community, non-professionals as we call them. For the professionals, we've been working together in identifying the gaps whereby we bring women from various countries who are involved in the fight against this disease. These women are not only scientists, but even social people or people who are part of the pipeline in so providing solutions for this. It can be an accountant, it can be an administrator, it can be a lab technicians, it can be someone who sits in the decision making. So the entire pipeline, so identifying those women, so bringing them together to see how can we support or how can we be involved in providing solutions. And one of the thinking and my entire goal is that if we are making decisions about things that women have to utilize or implement at community levels, then they need to be part of the decision-making process. So a scenario I like to cite is that when you go to the community, you find more women at community levels telling you, oh, this is where the mosquitoes are breeding. Oh, we have had episodes of the mal of malaria for the last two weeks. Oh, we have our children who have been sick from this disease. But when you come to decision-making tables at policy levels, less women, actually if it's 20%, that would be a success. But you find fewer women at decision-making while at community levels, there are like 98% to almost 100% of women. They're the ones who are utilizing the tools that are made in the fight against malaria and other vector-borne diseases. Therefore, how can we turn the tables, not even just turning to the tables, but have the implementers, the people who are utilizing these tools at lower levels, at community levels, being coming up to the decision-making tables, making decisions of the diseases that affect them, diseases that they suffer them from they themselves, but also their children or their family members. So we've been bringing together at professional levels together to identify what are the challenges? Why are we not at management levels? Why are we not the leaders? Why are we not the decision makers? So trying to identify those gaps. So those gaps have been identified, therefore trying to provide solution to, towards those gaps. Among us, the gaps that we've identified by bringing professionals together is one, they need to be supported to become the leaders that we want them to be by training, 
by capacity building, or even showcasing that they are able to do it. Because as cultures add it over time, coming from an African country, the culture has not created structures that accommodate these women. Culture has not made it visible for women to even just go for those leadership positions. If the culture is not making it an automatic process, we need to create it. We need to make it an automatic process. We need to make it sure that they, these women, as they are trained from lower levels, they are able also to be given platforms where they can showcase their work, where they can showcase their abilities, and also are there in institutions or at governments where they can sit and comfortably execute the work that they are well qualified to do. At community levels, we are bringing together women. I'm someone who participates in field work. One of the assessments that we do is to identify where the problem is and solving it as far as the disease is concerned. So therefore, I go to the communities and ask people, yes, we are provided with you with the tools. Are they sufficient? And if not sufficient, are you able to use them? I can cite an example. If it's a bed net, using an insecticide-treated bed net, most of our communities, especially areas where malaria is endemic, they do not, most of them don't have structures that are very comfortable in hanging the nets, but also they do not have, what do I call it, spaces that the net can be spread out comfortably. Most sleep and sleep on mats, so there are no beds. However, if there are beds, there are no, even just the hooks to hang the bed nets. Or there are more than, because one of the things is that there's one bed net per two people. But you find that in a household that children are sleeping like four in a bed, or not in a bed, a, a house whereby, yes, you have your children or who are of age, but they sleep in another house. So you have a boy and a girl and you've given them one bed net. So it's one of them who's going to use it. So one of the children is left out and is not sleeping. And does this system work? And is it going to help us move towards elimination? Therefore, uh, mine is more to ensure that these communities, they, their voice is heard. So we get to hear or know what they desire. So identify those gaps and also involve them, even as we make those tools, even as we implement the solutions. Yes. Yeah. I was just wondering if based on their recommendations that they said we don't have enough nests, have you been able to get them more nets? Nets are distributed using what we call as mass campaigns, whereby the Ministry of Health is the one that distributes that. For me, or for the research scientists, my mind will not even just to provide them more nets, it's to be able to document them, that those gaps that are there, but also speak to the ministries to see how can we mitigate this. So what we did in a small scale is to speak to the ministries and ask them, can we get more nets? Because there are these in, in, in scenarios where they have one net, but they have two children who are different sexes who do not sleep in the same bed. So in a small scale, they have supported me in ensuring that we try to pilot that and showcase success. So that we have done, but in, it's in a small scale. In I think it's one county. So we need to go to other because malaria is endemic is in many, more than 25 counties in Kenya. But that's in a small scale, but we need to do it in a bigger scale and cover the entire country.
One of the other things you've been passionate about is recruiting more women as scientists into the vector control fields of research. Can you talk about that shift? Like earlier in your career, you were one of the few women who was working in vector-borne diseases. And now when I saw that clip, I saw your lab and I was so happy to see so many women working in your lab. How has mentoring been part of that process for creating that pathway for women to be successful scientists in vector control? When I was employed, we had entomology is not a beautiful subject for most women to go in. One of it, the challenges of going to the field, trying to chase after mosquitoes, trying to identify where they are breeding and trying to come up with solutions. So you find that most women will not go for it. So at in my lab, I tried to identify how can I ensure that we have more women on board, getting to work with the young ones who are coming up, because most of them will be like, if I did entomology, will I just be living in the field? Will I be chasing, chasing after mosquitoes every day? So my duty was to just showcase that if I can be successful, I need to support you. So let's work together. So I created a way of not supervisor junior, but a relationship whereby we, what can I call it? We work together in even in, in identifying how I can support you, I can mentor you. And in, in a more informal way. So we developed a strategy where we I monitor weekly, I monitor what the individual is doing and support them. So one is not to discourage them or to not to make entomology be a tedious subject, but to show them actually if we did this, remember, see the greater picture and also supporting them in ensuring that the work they are doing. So I've been able to work to, with many women in my lab, and I've been very purposive that once they come, I'm not neglecting about of the boy child. I'm sure, yes, the boy child comes in, but you remember them, they are very already, I think, hardened, or they find it really easy to just do entomology. But the girl child feels like, oh, I need to go to the field. Oh, I'm a mother. Or maybe I'm going through this biological process. How do I survive in the field? I find that I managed to, to be able to encourage and ensure that there's an environment that's really conducive for these ladies together to, to work in. So there's that formal supervision, yes, but there was the informal mentorship where we were checking on each other, linking them to potential people who can give them better advice and also to show them that actually they can also be as successful as our, my male colleagues who have been working with. And then can you tell us more about the awards that you have started giving for women in vector control? Yes, I'd like to cite something before I even mention about those awards. One of the things that we realized is that most women could not identify where other women were who have done entomology and who are very successful. So mine was, I asked myself, then if these women cannot identify where other women who are very successful are, why don't we then show that women who have been doing entomology actually are successful? The ex we created a grant known as Women in Vector Control Excellence Awards. We just did this last year and this year. The idea was that we 
just send this, the call out for women to apply, self-nominate or just be nominated or just apply. And then we go through a rigorous process where we shortlist and also just see potential. And the Excellence Awards, they're not only for senior people, because also the younger people, at whatever level, they've been successful. So the, these awards are to just, they're meant for early career, mid-career, and senior career. So they apply, we shortlist, and also now award based on that. So we award them not just a certificate or a plaque, but also we give them some money but also we monitor what they do this money with. We just did last year and this year. So far from last year's cohort, it's been great. These women have gone back and reinvested. The, it's very little money, but it's somehow to tell them, we want you to reinvest back to vector control. So they go reinvest. Some of them have engaged uh, seminars or meetings with other women working in vector control. Others have supported uh, a female colleague who either was stuck in finishing their postgraduate studies, also supported them with a few lab reagents, ETC. Others have gone back and did projects that investigated what they can do as far as bringing more women on board. That's what we have managed to do. So the success is, yes, to increase visibility, but also it's to increase the pool of women who have been supported all women who are activities that women are supporting so that we, we support the process of elimination in the continent. Wow, I love that. And then I love how they use some of that money to keep it going and to support other women in that. That is just, there's really just amazing awards. How did you find the courage to become such a strong voice for dismantling gender stereotypes? You are just so inspiring and your work is so inspiring, but it takes a lot of courage to be that person. Yeah. Can I say is seeing is one is people believing in me that I could do this, but more so is seeing a gap and wondering how can I tackle this gap? For me, it, it came in naturally because I was struggling. I struggled for a while uh, being a female entomologist with grants not coming my way easily because I'm a research scientist. I need to write proposals. My proposals were not good enough despite writing many of them. And these are called for issues to do with mentorship. But also the other one is trying to understand that this is a male-dominated field. But I don't think it's supposed to be like that. So I'm like, we need to change the story. We need to change the way we are doing things by ensuring that, what do I call it? By ensuring that we have the entire force of the muscle, everyone is on board. Because honestly, if malaria affects female more, more in a way that's not just the infections, but more in a way that they are the main caregivers back home. They're the ones, they are at the forefront of fighting these diseases. Then why are they not on board in making decisions? So it's just seeing those gaps and you feel, no, we need to change this. And being in a platform where more women, it's not automatic for you to get a promotion. It's not automatic for you to 
to sit, to, to go higher and be a manager. You have to really fight the system. You have to fight the structures. And it's like the norm. It's that's obvious. But for men who's my equivalent, who has similar qualifications with me, it tends to be a seamless process. So for me, I felt that how can I be the voice in a small way just to show that it's not appropriate, it's not right, that women have to fight they have to try to create spaces for themselves. That's the main reason that drove me to that. Getting to speak to people, getting to show people that how can we change this, identifying people who are my support system, my colleagues at Pamka, my colleagues at Kevry, they added to that. They believed in me and I kept on the conversation and telling them this has to change. In 2018, we're in Senegal for a malaria meme. It's called multi-initiative malaria meeting. And I, they were showcasing that we are lack women in the control of vector bone diseases. They are entomologists and they're women doing research, women who are supporting, but we see that in the field. So I asked, how can we change that story? So I, be, I came part of it by being troubled that things need to change, but also asking myself, if we are saying the goal of elimination of malaria is 2030, then let's change the script. Let's bring this force that is missing. More women who are missing from making decisions, more women who are missing from designing tools that speak to this fight. More women who are missing in driving the process. So I was troubled by that and I decided to just keep on telling the story and ensuring that because I was seeing it differently in the field, but I couldn't see that in the management or decision-making process. Your voice has been so powerful in making those changes. And so I, I'm just really in awe of your commitment to that, your passion for that, and all the women that you have uplifted along the way. And that video, I saw some of your the women that you've mentored talk about you, just the impact you have had on their whole life. What is your hope for these young women who participate in this mentoring program? My hope is that these women are the future. I know that they are the people who are going to enact what we call as a paradigm shift. They are the people who are going to create platforms to, to ensure that generations to come are not subjected to the, what are called to environments that are not very favorable for women. Who are generations who are going to be born. So I believe that they are going not only to be the solution for the moment, but they are going to be the solutions for the future. They are going to be the people who will be carrying that mantle of ensuring that girl church who the system does not favor is on board, whether they like it or not. So they once they take up the leadership, where they once they become the senior people that we are thinking about, I'm sure they will ensure that those processes are favorable to the girl child. They are favorable to the women because culture, the, the African culture that we have 
has not done that and is not going to do that. One of the things that we have seen is that there's issues of gender discrimination at work, there's issues of sexual harassment and bullying. So I believe they will be part of the people who will ensure that policies that are there, because we have policies which are in paper, but implementation they're not. When a girl is bullied at work or sexually harassed, there's nowhere to go to. Even the senior women at work do not know how to handle it because there are no structures, there are no systems. If I cried that I've been discriminated or I've been harassed, I don't know who to report to. So I believe that these young women who are not only good scientists, they are going to be good leaders who are going to help put structures that create spaces for women to work in safely, environments that women can actually be comfortable in working against or working towards elimination of malaria and other vector-borne diseases. Thank you. Yeah, that is just such a beautiful vision of what that can be like. We're getting ready to wrap up here, but what inspires you and what keeps you going? You just have so much energy, you're tireless in this. What just keeps you going? What keeps me going is that till I see malaria out of the continent, I believe that we have what it takes to eliminate the disease from the continent. A child dies of malaria every one minute. We've been discussing with you the last maybe 40 minutes or so. By the time we are done with this interview, maybe 60 children would have died of this disease. So for me, is that thought that I can't sit and be comfortable till this mm-hmm. equation is turned. There are no children dying from the disease. There are no child mothers suffering because their children have died of malaria. There is the community is free of this disease and other vector-borne diseases. If malaria is causing that havoc, then other vector-borne diseases are also bringing that trouble. So I believe that women need to be part of the solutions. Women need to work with men as allies and ensure that disease is eliminated or controlled or eradicated from the continent so that we can focus on other things. The resources that go into malaria in the fight against malaria is enormous. It can be put into other things because the disease is preventable. The disease can be eliminated. We've seen success stories. Malaria was in the US before, but it's no longer there. What did they do differently? And I believe that it's bringing all forces and voices together to ensure that this disease is out of the continent. Thank you. Yeah, that is just so sobering to think about. Like, it's just like that's just a high rate. So what can we do to support women in vector control research? We can do many things, many things. But the most is empowering and strengthening their role. And this comes in with putting resources. Resources here, I don't mean just money. But here, how can we partner with people who have managed this disease? How can these women be linked with women who have worked and who have been successful so that they can borrow from their resilience, they can borrow from their success story 
to be able to implement the same back home? How can we get, create a network of women who are supporting each other? Yes, working with men, because one of the things that I've realized is that men feel threatened when we talk about more women empowerment. But how can they work? How can we work with men who are in our who are in our settings, who are in our continent or in our institutions? to ensure that what we decide to achieve in the continent is done. So my belief is that we need to, to get more human resource support, human resource that's by training more women, training them and giving that confidence. Because one of the things we've seen in the continent is that most of our women, apart from the culture being non-conducive in the advancement in career, they themselves tend not to be, what is it, believe, have their confidence in themselves that they can actually occupy these spaces. We can do more by training, showcasing, or what is it called? Identifying potential and building it, and also getting to keep on the communication or the discussion that women can do it. If men can do it, then I can do it as a woman, because we don't have, it's not that we are weaker beings. So for me, is resources both in financing yes but also human resource support and also being networking these women to ensure that they get to have that confidence and to know that actually the continent needs them the continent appreciates what they are doing and the continent cannot do without them being on board right that they are crucial to the solution of a malaria free africa yes Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. And thank you for all that you and everyone at the Pan-African Mosquito Control Association is doing to provide mentoring opportunities for women in vector control research. We at Mentium are so proud to, to partner with you in matching women with mentors because your work is truly changing the world. I'm just so inspired by your presence and all that your voice has done to create more equality, to change gender norms, and to create more women being part of the solution. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I thank Mentium and thanks for that support. I believe more mentorship and continuous mentorship is will bring the success that we desire to see. Thanks a lot. And I'm happy to be working with you. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you. And I just so appreciate you taking the time. You have just inspired me so much just from hearing your story, hearing about all the hardship you went through in college and everything to get that degree. And just that you are tireless in changing things. You're making such a difference. So I'm just, I cannot thank you enough for just being that woman that uplifts everyone and helps everyone feel like they can do more in wherever they are. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Let's keep at it. And I believe that um, there's a lot more that we can do by working with people like you, with Mentium and others to be able to provide solutions that are needed. And I'm happy to be hosting more and more women in, our, in my lab and uh, working with them in whatever platforms to ensure that it really we get to the end of this fight. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mentium Matters podcast. We look forward to having you back next time.